I want you to imagine what would it be like if you, if you had no financial anxiety. Imagine what your life would be like. Imagine what your life would be like if you did not have any money worries. Imagine what your life would be like if you didn't worry about if you lost your job or not. What a beautiful life that that would be uh, without financial anxiety, without any worrying about uh, money. And one of the things that I have come to recognize, I've come to recognize that financial freedom it goes beyond just money. Uh, financial freedom goes beyond just having what we think is enough. In the earlier years when Gwen and I married, uh, I had this plan and I thought that if I could have this amount of money in the bank, if I could have in savings, in, in investments, that I would retire. I was so excited about that when we first married 30, uh, almost 33 years this year together. I was excited about that. But then when I made that amount in a three-month period of time that I was hoping that I could save in my lifetime, it wasn't enough. My perspective changed, and I needed more. John D. Rockefeller uh, was, is known as the richest man in history, in modern history. He was the first billionaire, the first billionaire in the world. And uh, what's interesting about that is that not only was he that, but he is still considered uh, as the richest man. And as I began to focus on that, uh, they asked him a question, a reporter asked him a question. He says that how much money do you need? How much is enough? John Rockefeller, the richest man in the world, said, one dollar more than I have. And isn't it interesting that no matter how much we have, we never feel that it's enough. No matter uh, the level of income someone uh, brings home or no matter their socioeconomic level, uh, the challenge is we really don't know what's enough. And so it has been said then that poverty is real, but wealth is an illusion. How many of you know that if you don't have anything to eat, that's real? <laughs> if you're hungry and you're wondering, you know, where's my meal coming from, that's real. But uh, wealth, um, having more than uh, what you need, is an illusion because many times we can't recognize how much we really need. We've got a foundational scripture here this morning, and it's in 1 Timothy chapter 6. This is going to be the scripture that we'll be using throughout uh, our um, uh, uh, passage or our time together. In 1 Timothy chapter 6, and uh, it really starts in verse 17. It starts in verse 17, and then it goes to, through to verse 19. And uh, champions, verse uh, 17 Let's read it together like we know it is the word of his power. Now, command those who are rich in this present world not to be arrogant nor to put their hope in wealth, which is so uncertain, but to put their hope in God, who richly provides us with everything for our enjoyment. And there are two things that I want you to recognize and notice here. 
Uh, it talks about hope in wealth, which is uncertain. And then it talks about hope in God. Hope in wealth and hope in God. Let's keep reading verse 18. Let's keep reading verse 18 and 19 together. Now, commend them to do good, to be rich in good deeds, and to be generous and willing to share. Notice this, to do good, to be rich in good deeds, and to be generous and willing to share. Why? Verse 19 tells us why. Let's read it. Now, in this way, they will lay up treasure for themselves as the firm foundation for the coming age so that they may take hold of the life that is truly life. So the Bible says we lay hold of a treasure that is on a firm foundation. Now I want you to look in verse uh, uh, 17 again, verse 17 again, because it says these words, it says, command those who are rich. Command those who are rich. And what's interesting then is that um, many times we don't really know how much we, we have. Uh, I remember that several years ago our children went to Jamaica for a missions trip and, and they had a chance to uh, minister to uh, and do some ministry in, uh, with the children that, were there, that was, uh, was there. And, that were, and it was just an amazing experience for them. Many of them came back. And, you know, they just were, 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 were weeping because they recognized how much they really had and how much they had that they could share with someone else, not, not only just materially, but also spiritually. And do you know that you are rich? And you're rich because the Pew Research did a, 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 a survey, and what they found in their statistics was that 90% of Americans rank in the upper middle class on a global scale. 90% of Americans rank in the upper middle class. And isn't that interesting? Because when you look at that, then you recognize that, wow, according to global standards, I'm rich. Would you just look at the person next to you and would you tell them, you're rich? <laughs> Somebody said, no, I ain't. I'm, I'm going to show you, you all. Come on, you need to say, you say that about yourself. Say that uh, uh, about yourself. Would you say, I am rich? <laughs> My God. Now, earlier, I asked you this. I said that I want you to imagine what life would be like if there were no financial anxieties, uh, if you didn't have to worry about money and it, it, you weren't worrying about losing your job, what would life be like? And you know what the answer is? The answer is right there. It says, when we hope in God. That's the answer. You know, the answer to that, it, what you have imagined with no financial worries, is when you hope in God. And, and, and so as we look at this, the Bible tells us then that God values relationship over outcome. Would you repeat that? God values relationship over, over outcome. One more time. God values relationship over outcome. See, many times we focus on the outcome. We focus on what we want. But God is focused on the relationship. 
Because in Matthew 6, what did it say? It says that seek ye first the kingdom of God and all these things will be added unto you. God values relationship over outcome. And what he wants us to do is to pursue relationship and let him focus on the outcome. Uh, Proverbs 26, uh, Solomon says in a very, very powerful way, and I, uh, he talks about the heart in Proverbs 23, 26. He says it like this. He says, my son, give me your heart and then let your eyes delight in my ways. So you give me your heart you focus on the relationship, and then I'll focus on the outcome. You give me your heart, and then I want you to just sit back and see my ways. See my outcome for the heart and the faith that you have given me. Now, what's interesting about that is that we sing a song. Lord, I give you my heart. I give you my soul. Have your way in me every breath that I take, every moment that I'm awake, have your way in me. Oh, Lord, I give you my heart. But you know what? There's a way to measure if you've given your heart to God. And so when you sing that song, you're really singing that song out of worship in spirit and in truth. So how can we know that we've given our heart to God. Well, Matthew 6, 21 tells us how we know. He says, I want your heart, and you watch my ways. But, no, but no, notice what Matthew 6, 21 says. For where your... Come on, let's read it together. <laughs> let's read it together now. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. So how do we know if we have given God our heart? We can evaluate it based on where our treasure is. And where your treasure is, there your heart is. And so if we say, God, I give you my heart, I give you my soul, have your way in me. He say, well, let's count and evaluate the treasure, what you value. And then based on what you value, then now I know that I have your heart. And so uh, there's this biblical uh, or treasure principle that I want to share with you. And this treasure principle is that um, God values, and I want you to say that one more time, God values relationship, God values relationship over, outcome. over outcome. One more time, God values relationship over outcome. And so let's personalize it. God values my relationship with him over what he does for me. Now he said that if you give him your heart, that you sit back and watch and be amazed and delightful in uh, what he does on your behalf. And so this, this thing, this, this whole treasure uh, principle uh, also started in the book of Genesis. It started in the book of Genesis, in Genesis chapter one. Uh, you know, it's, it's an interesting thing because the Bible tells us that, that God said some things. God said some things. And, and what I love about it is this, is that whatever God created in the beginning in creation, he spoke it. The Bible says that he said, let there be, and there was. He said, let there be, 
and there was. So what God spoke, the Bible says later in the Genesis chapter 1 around the 31st, 32nd verse, it says that and he saw everything that he had said. So when God was creating the world, he spoke words and he saw. But when God, but the Bible says that when God began to create you, he formed you from the dust of the ground, of the dirt of the ground. So God put his hands on you when he made you. My God, he put his hands on you. And it was about a relationship. Let me show you this. In Genesis chapter 1, verse 11. Let's read it together now. Then God said, let the earth bring forth grass, the herb that yields seed, and the fruit that whose seed is in itself on the earth, and it was so. Now, notice this. He says two things that I want you to be uh, mindful of. He says, according to its kind, and the seed is in itself. Now, now what's interesting at these two phrases, uh, if you just uh, highlight those in your Bible, because it's very interesting, because I, I, he, he talks about that the seed will yield fruit according to its kind, but then the seed is in itself. It's in itself. Do you know what the word kind in the Hebrew, it's the word genos, genos. And in our English language, it is the word genus. And if you study the biological classification, there are eight taxonomical classifications. Oh, my God. But when you look at that and you begin to look at it, the word genos refers to the concept of the seed. Genus refers to the concept of the seed. And what that means is that everything must produce according to its kind. And so when a cow is bred to a bull, it produces a calf, not a lamb. Because what? Everything produces, reproduces after its own kind. That's the principle of the seed. A dog cannot become a breeder with a cat and you can get a catty dog or a doggy cat. Why? It's because the seed reproduces after its, after its own kind. Now you can have a variety in the midst of the same kind. You can have a big cow, a little cow, a black cow, a white cow. Uh, you can have a, a, a cockapoodle. And that is a cockaspaniel and a poodle. But they are the same what? You can have a cosheltie. That's a collie and a Shetland sheepdog. And, but they can do that. Why? It's because they are the same kind. But, 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 but so the seed reproduces after its own kind. But there cannot be a reproduction of a different kind. And so the seed will not reproduce. And so the Bible tells us that it produces according to its kind. According to its kind. The second thing that it says, it says that the seed is in itself. The seed is in itself. Now that's an interesting concept because 
what that means is that it means that God created these plants with the seed already in the fruit. Now, he created the plant, the, the tree, and then it had fruit on it. And then there was seed on the inside of the fruit. So the seed was in itself. Now, what's interesting about that is that he spoke. And when he spoke, he said what he wanted to happen. And the Bible tells us when we read it, look, it's in, it's in Genesis uh, as, as uh, Genesis chapter two, as the, uh, Genesis chapter one, rather, as God began to talk about that, and then He moves in Genesis chapter two. But I want you to notice exactly what happens here. He says that now the Lord God had planted a garden in the east in Eden, and there He put the man He had formed. So notice this: that God created the tree, spoke the tree into existence. It had fruit on it, and He put the seed inside of the fruit so you could have more fruit so you can have more trees now when you look at that you then now begin to recognize that 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 what comes first well the bible tells us that the tree came first and then the fruit was on the tree and there was a seed on the inside of the fruit so you can have more trees so you've heard people ask you what comes first the chicken or the egg let me tell you that it was the chicken because God created the chicken, and on the inside of the chicken was the capacity of producing an egg that had on the inside a seed that could produce more chickens. So the seed is in itself. So notice this, when God created you, he touched you. God spoke the seed, but then notice what happened. The Bible says in Genesis 2.8 that he planted a garden in the east. In Eden, and then he put the man that he had formed. So the two things that God did, that he spoke the seed, and then the tree became, and he planted the tree, he touched the tree, and he touched you. And those are the two things that God touched before he rested. He had a relationship with you, and he had a relationship with the seed that would grow according to what you plant. Now, it was a relationship. So, so when we look at that, then we recognize that there is a principle. And the principle is outlined where it tells us that from the beginning of time, there is seed time and there is harvest. And he didn't say from the beginning of time to hard times. He said from the beginning of times to the end of times. There is what? Seed time and what? Harvest. So from the beginning of time to the end of time, there is seed time and there is harvest. And so when we recognize that, that there is seed time and there is harvest. Now, when we look at this, then we recognize that I've got some fruit here. And when we recognize here is that uh, we get some lemons during the course of the uh, lemon season. And uh, the lemons that we get given to us by some people that are special to us, uh, they are so much juicier than the ones you buy out the store. But what I want you to see here is that on the inside of this lemon are seeds. And, and when you look at this lemon, you can see exactly how many seeds are in the lemon 
but you don't know how many lemons are in the seed. Here's an apple. And you know what apples are like. On the inside of this apple are what? Seeds. Are seeds. And I can count how many seeds are on the inside of the apple, but I do not know how many apples are on the inside of the seed. Now, no matter what you do and no matter where you go, if you plant these seeds, you're going to get apples. Why? It's because every seed reproduces how? After its own kind. And you know what I love about this? It doesn't matter where you are. It doesn't matter our times of recession. It doesn't matter if you're black or white, the seed doesn't know it. If it doesn't matter if you're Asian or Hispanic, the seed doesn't know it. There is a principle and it is seed time and harvest. And when you plant this seed, it will produce apples. Why? It's because God spoke potential on the inside of the seed. And he says that seed, apple seed. Whenever you're planted, you're going to produce apples. And there is the word of God on the inside of this seed. And no matter where you plant it at, it has the power to produce the very thing that is on the inside. What, 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 what do you say? Well, what about uh, dry land? Your hope is not in wealth, but your hope is in where? God. So notice this. Isaac planted during a drought. And the Bible says he reaped a hundredfold. So what that says is that recession does not have to affect you. If your hope is in God, why? It's because there's a seed principle that whenever it's sowed, that it will produce the very thing that God spoke inside of it. Now, this right here, what, what is this? This mango is really wonderful and it's so juicy. But right now, what I want you to do, what I want to do is I want to show you something else. Other, now, what is this? Isn't this interesting that an avocado, on avocado, <laughs> avocado, <laughs> an avocado has one seed on the inside of it. But no matter where you go, if you plant this, you'll get avocados. But it only has one seed. And you know what you can do? You can carry the seed around with you. You can take it from Texas to Louisiana, from Louisiana to Georgia, from Florida to California. And you can just carry it around in your car. You can carry it around in your pocket with you. You'll have a seed, but you'll never have a harvest. Because a seed must be planted before it can produce. And all you, though you see one seed, never judge what you're looking at to determine what it, the outcome could be. For I know that there's one seed here, but I don't know how many avocados 
are on the inside of the seed. You know, somehow we are fully persuaded that this principle works with fruit. But we have a hard time believing that that principle works with money. You can carry it around from Texas to Louisiana, from Louisiana to Georgia, from Georgia to Florida, and from Florida to California. But if you never plant, you'll have seed, but it will never produce the harvest that God intended. Seed, time, harvest. What does God value? God values the relationship more than the outcome. And he says, I want you to give me your heart and then you watch and be delighted in what I do with the heart that's after mine. But he says, I want you to evaluate where your heart is. He says that because you can evaluate that by measuring where your treasure is. And where your treasure is, that's where your heart is. Do you know what? The, the, there is a spirit of increase. Hallelujah. Glory to God that I believe this year. A spirit of increase. An anointing for increase. Where God are, is realigning some things so that you are advancing and accelerating and growing. He says these words, one waters, one plants, but God causes the seed to grow. No matter what you do, you cannot cause your seed to grow. The Bible says even if it looks like it's growing, it says if it's a bag that's put in a, a money that's put in a bag with holes in it. But he says that when you honor me with your gift, when you honor me, that you put your hope in me, you trust in me. And because of that, I can see your heart and I'll take care of your treasure.